From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Lambert Opec here with you. Good morning. It's four minutes past eight, Gen- uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, that means probably four minutes past seven in Sydney. Am I right about that? Uh, and in Melbourne. I finally learned to say Melbourne right, by the way. Thank you to all, all of our, our chat room people who've patiently taught me how to name that fine, great city, a city with a fantastic botanic garden before it's only before it got washed away in some floods. Uh, I'm with you for uh, this hour. Uh, Gemma Cooper coming up as well. Uh, really looking forward to trying to keep up with your chat. You are so busy today, folks. If you want to get involved in the chat, it's tntradio.live. <laughs> Just get involved there. Uh, uh, Holly says, I did have a full day of the new live stream yesterday. Totally spring clean the TV room. Right result. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that, Holly. Um, I don't know what this is about, but it's a good line. Seb Dangerfield says, Afterglow is a much missed miracle. Don't know what that is. Oh, maybe it's about music. Uh, people go everywhere with your chats. And do please keep uh, keep it going. Um, Seb Dangerfield says, if Lembit's on for another hour, that's my work delayed for another hour. Thank you, because ignore what you're told by the experts. Nobody can multitask. It's an urban myth. Well, you've got me and you've got Gemma as well. Gemma Cooper's going to be on as well. She's going to, there's been so much response to the COVID discussion that uh, very kindly Gemma's agreed to give a, a slightly longer expose of her thoughts on that. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting. I find Gemma Cooper's perspective on this absolutely fascinating for the simple reason that she's taken a hit. She's taken one for the team on this one uh, when she went for the, at the BBC. Uh, and if I can ask Gemma when she comes on to recap about her experience there, it's, it's unedifying what happened to her, but it's absolutely why TNT radio has to survive and has to, uh, to, to thrive because people like myself and Gemma and others who support free speech are determined to make sure that this doesn't happen to you. As best we can here at TNT Radio, we're definitely trying to get everything sorted out uh, in a way which means that the old, the out-of-date media, if you like, uh, isn't anymore ruling the roost. That we get facts and we get opinions, but we flag them as opinions. And then we ask you to do one thing, which is work things out for yourselves. Uh, I want to just go to a few stories before I go to Gemma. Um, <clears throat> The new and improved COVID-19 vaccines will be available by Christmas, so who should get one? That's the question which uh, Simeon was asking. And Simeon Boykov, fellow TNT presenter, says, nobody, nobody should get one. Maybe there might be some category. I'm not a medical doctor, uh, but uh, maybe some people will benefit from them. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm through with these vaccines. They did me more harm than good in the end. I should point out, I had COVID. So my body did what bodies have done for 100,000 years. It developed its own vaccine. And yet I was forced to go and get another one and another one and another one because I was traveling a lot at the time. As a result of that, I'm all vaccined out and I paid the price with my health. So not happy about that one. As I say, uh, Gemma Cooper will very kindly uh, explain what happened to her and her perspective on this. And I'm just going to give her a free run to do this. I don't want to interrupt her when she's doing it because her story speaks for itself. And I hope that you find it interesting. Her backstory also explains, in a sense, as she said earlier on, why TNT Radio exists. It's a pushback on an establishment that doesn't want you to think and doesn't want you to feel that comfortable with uh, making decisions for yourself, but wants you to follow. And one thing that we don't do here at TNT is we 
don't follow the establishment, except, of course, when we think that they're right. But we do follow what you say, and we're very interested in that. So do keep the calls and comments coming. Uh, the other uh, very interesting guest had Alan Dana, a former pilot, warning that the airline industry could face disaster due to COVID vaccines. And he said, even though I'm a pilot myself, he said something I hadn't considered. These vaccines can create things like brain fog, which is something that I experienced. It's part of the problem I had with the with the vaccine. It really altered my state, and perhaps still has some uh, impact on my on my blood pressure, for example. And he said that you either walked or were fired if you didn't take the vaccine. How can we be in that kind of situation? It's a shocking, a shocking situation, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just wondering why this uh, that this could even be allowed to occur. Uh, do keep your calls and comments coming on that. I wonder uh, if if you've had a particular problem, a particular issue, um, and uh, if you've actually had a vaccine injury as well. And then um, I do, just want to mention another developing story. Uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, there's been a lot of debate about whether Trump's going to be standing. Apparently, he's facing, if this is true, 91 different uh, accusations um, uh, or felony charges. But everything that has done to him seems to improve his uh, popularity. Can Biden, if he does stand, and he says he's standing, um, actually beat uh, uh, Donald Trump? Or is Donald Trump the core celebre in America? I'd like to know your views on that as well. Um, so uh, uh, keep your calls and comments coming on that. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do some quite dramatic uh, things in terms of uh, the coverage of the American uh, election as well. We try not to bias your opinion about who's standing and what's going on there. So please do uh, let me know. Do you think that Joe Biden is a viable candidate? Do you think Donald Trump should stand even if he's up for charges? Um, Gemma Cooper joins us again now uh, in just a moment, but I want you to uh, share your comments on tntradio.live. I'm Len Topic. It's 10 past eight. This is TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning to you, Lemidopic here. It's quarter past eight, uh, GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, about eight to 11 hours later than that in Australia. Wherever you are, thank you for joining TNT Radio, the home of free speech. Now, in a departure, there has been so much interest in the COVID discussion that uh, there's basically uh, an opportunity here for us to do a special feature. That's how flexible we are. Let me introduce my colleague, Ross Cameron, to continue this debate for a while. Ross, good to see you this uh, morning or your afternoon. Um, we've been talking about COVID. We've got you, we've got Gemma. Let me hand over to you to just raise the debate uh, and continue the debate in line with the chat that we're seeing uh, on TNTradio.live. When Lambert OPIC calls, I simply snap heels and respond. You know, <laughs> I regard it as an order from high command, you know, if Lambert calls. <laughs> so here I am. Uh, whatever other uh, defects I may have, I am present at my post, ready to receive the pass. So Over to you. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've got it. Thank you, sir. Um, well, look, I am uh, happily not alone in the assignment provided to me by uh, Major General uh, Lembert OPIC, uh, but I'm joined by Gemma Cooper, um, who I'm going to throw to in a moment and demand that Gemma sings for her supper. Uh, you know, there are people who say we've talked enough about COVID. Uh, they're sort of uh, over it. 
And there's a combination of variables uh, in this particular equation, one of which is that many people took the injected the experimental chemicals under extreme duress with great reluctance and now with intense regret. And that is an entirely understandable position. And they don't really wish to rub the bruise. Uh, there are others who are sitting there watching this extraordinary spike in excess deaths, all-cause mortality. It's not my preferred subject of conversation, although it does feature rather heavily in the writings of the Stoic philosophers, the preparation for death, philosophy indeed as an education in preparation uh, for death. And Epic, someone like Epictetus, the Greek slave philosopher, who was so influential on the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, uh, whose great insight was that one must divide one's life into two segments, two slices of the pizza, um, one of which is those elements which fall under our influence and control and those elements which are beyond our control and the great insight of Epictetus was that we ought to apply whatever available emotional, intellectual and other resources we have only to those elements that are within our control and that it is a complete waste of energy, indeed waste of a life to worry about things you can't control, um, such as indeed the timing of the moment at which you and I will draw our last breath. Uh, nonetheless, we here at uh, TNT um, have the view that since we are reasoning animals, uh, we ought to take the benefit of learning from our mistakes, uh, not least because we have the objective to avoid their repetition. So uh, I've got Gemma Cooper with me in the studio. Uh, very happy to throw to Gemma and simply ask you the question both in relation to your own personal experience, but also the experience of your city, uh, culture and civilization. Uh, what do you think we learn from the big pharmacological state uh, militant authoritarian response to the respiratory virus described as COVID? Well, first of all, Ross, I have to say it's an absolute pleasure to be working with you this morning. It's this morning, obviously, here in the UK. You're coming towards the end of the working day there in Australia. But um, a bit of philosophy never goes amiss with me. And I, I love that approach that you've brought, you know, and Marcus Aurelius and the influences on him. And that has stood the test of time, his philosophy. So, yeah. And, and I think sometimes you have to be philosophical about what the last three and a half years have brought. Because, you know, you say that some people are saying, oh, you know, we're over COVID, I'll stop talking about COVID. Well, tell that to the vaccine injured. Tell that to the pilots that we heard from about in the last couple of hours here on the on the Lambert OPIC show, who were fired and sacked. And myself, my own experience working for the British Broadcasting Corporation, you know, supposed to be impartial, supposed to inform, supposed to educate people. That's part of its charter. All it did in the last three and a half years was put the fear of God in people. And when I went to anti-lockdown marches, 
is in my personal private time. I didn't publicize it. I didn't tell anyone. It was something I was doing away from work, but everything is filmed these days. And apparently I'm more famous than I realized here in the UK. And once my face was spotted, it was plastered everywhere. And my colleagues within the BBC, who I'd worked with for more than 20 years, and I considered some of them very good friends. Um, some of them, I don't know who it was, went to the tabloid press made me out to be insane, a super spreader, a danger to society, a menace. And yet many, many colleagues of mine in that newsroom went to the huge Black Lives Matter demonstration whilst in lockdown. And that was overlooked. And I was told that was different because that demonstration was anti-racist and the demonstration I attended was anti-lockdown. So, I mean, you know, I think what we've learned from the last three and a half years, what I learned as I walked away from my career, I wasn't fired. I chose to leave at that point after witnessing the BBC's so-called editorial stance. It wasn't an editorial stance. It was propaganda at its worst. I walked away from my career. Other people were fired from their jobs in the health service or as pilots. Um, what we've learned is the world was mad. The world went mad and it went mad based on fear. Uh, and you, you, you dropped in some lovely philosophy there at the top of this segment. And I would say that I think we're a traumatized society and it happens right from birth. Um, there's a lot of studies now done into birth in the Western world and how different it is from tribal cultures. Birth is a very traumatic experience in the in a Western hospital, both for the mother and the baby. And the baby comes into the world already quite traumatized. And then if you're a traumatized infant, the schooling system doesn't help. And then right the way through your life, if you've suffered trauma, you can be controlled. If you, if you suffered any kind of damage as an infant, you can be controlled because you're so worried about having trauma happen to you again. And that is what these uh, controllers, the globalists, the elites, they, they capitalize on that. They want a traumatized society so then they can drop things like this in, like the scandemic, plandemic, and um, we will all do what we were told. But this is more than just a political or economic situation or big pharma situation that's happened in the last three and a half years. And I've touched on this before, and I wonder if you will agree with me, but this is something of a spiritual shift that is happening in the human race. And what happened in 2020, it was, it was locking us down. It wasn't just locking us down physically. It was locking down the spiritual side, which is rising up a, a piece now. And we heard from Simeon uh, in the last couple of hours saying that only 5% of Australians are now fully vaccinated, and there's a massive pushback. Brilliant, brilliant, because that's the human spirit. It's the human spirit kicking in. It's when your conscience and your soul kicks in and says to your ego, something not right here. We need to work together. You need to listen to me now, and I'm not listening to you anymore, and we need to step up and, and realize our full potential. So there's a lot to unpack over the last three and a half years. A lot of it is terrible with the vaccine injured and the excess death, but a lot of it is good. We are seeing an awakening. I mean, TNT wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the last three and a half years. I wouldn't be working with people like you and Simeon and Lembit. So on a personal level for me, despite my trauma, it worked out very well. I'm so pleased to mm. be here. Well, what a, uh, uh, and a lovely, uh, insightful uh, testimonial. Uh, you touched on, uh, and I understand you mentioned uh, Simeon Boykov, the uh, infamous Aussie Cossack. I understand we'll be gracing uh, the Lembert OPIC show right after the news, so don't miss uh, that opportunity. Um, yeah, you mentioned the experience of trauma uh, in a hospital and the way in which trauma becomes a sort of desired result of the uh, controlling figures in the 
big state, the deep state, the pharma state, uh, however we wish to describe uh, the forces who are imposing these uh, traumatic experiences on the culture. Indeed, um, I was subject to a not just a mandatory lockdown, but I was uh, in effect forcibly hospitalised um, at one stage during uh, Sydney's, um, you know, uh, brain uh, spasm. And I had uh, discovered a, uh, as it turns out, I'll, I'll sort of indulge you with the story um, that I had uh, uh, gotten off a train on a cold and uh, windy day and discovered at the top of the station overpass an obviously distressed uh, young family of a mother, father and a boy of about uh, eight years old, I suppose. And you, you could just tell from the whole vibe uh, coming out of the family and the angst in particular on the mother's uh, face uh, that they were in some distress. And they had asked the station master a question and I just noted him with a rather peremptory uh, single syllable answer, walk past and head back to his dry, warm uh, office. And they seemed none the wiser. So I asked what the situation was, and they explained that they had literally just gotten off a plane at Mascot, uh, Kingsford Smith International Airport, having migrated to Australia from Iran with their son, and that they were worried that their son uh, was developing COVID-like symptoms. Um, and they had timed their flight uh, to maximise the benefit of the multiple vaccinations that they had all taken to be fully compliant with all the regulations. And it appeared uh, the boy uh, was sick and they were trying to find a medical centre. They had gotten off at the wrong station and they were trying to get advice um, as to how to get to the correct station. They didn't yet have a car. Indeed, they didn't have an apartment um, and as it turned out, a mate of mine, a business partner who is a uh, Persian by origin, a Farsi speaker, was about to collect me from the station and take me to some, uh, you know, commercial venture we were working on. So I just said to them, well, look, why don't you come with us? Um, and they were, I knew they would be relieved to speak to someone in uh, Farsi, and we identified exactly where the medical centre was. We took them and dropped them off. And a few days later, I got the call at work uh, from a senior bureaucrat at the Department of Health uh, explaining to me that um, this boy had subsequently returned a positive test and that he was the first case of Omicron uh, in Australia. And therefore, both my partner and I were instructed to immediately down tools, uh, return home, where two hours later, a hire car would pick us up and transport us to an uh, internment facility run by New South Wales Health, where I was required to remain for the next two weeks. And I have to tell you, my experience under the care of New South Wales Health was the scariest uh, most horrifying, most inhumane, most unhealthy experience I've had in my whole life. 
and uh, wanting to shove stuff up my nostril every single day, despite the fact that I showed no symptoms and had returned negative tests on every occasion. And um, after uh, I consented to go, they said, well, if you had been vaccinated, we would have required you to be interned for one week. Uh, but since you haven't been injected with these experimental drugs, you must remain for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, uh, I said to them, having returned negative tests every day, uh, much to the disappointment of the nursing staff, who seemed desperately hoping I would return a positive test. Um, after two weeks, I said, well, I've consented to remain for 14 days. The 14 days has expired. I'm now uh, intending to leave. And they said, well, you can't leave. And I said, well, um, if uh, I, I consent, I gave you my consent for 14 days, that's expired. I don't consent to remain any further. If you require me to remain, you'll be doing so without my consent. And then I received a visit from the sergeant of the New South Wales Police Force located on the ground floor who said to me, if you attempt to leave the building, we will intern your entire family for two weeks. So, you know, um, an authoritarian impulse apparently buried not too far below our, our big state. Masters, tell us a bit more, if you may, um, about what you think happens, Gemma Cooper, inside an organisation like BBC, going from having some pretensions to being a source of independent journalism to becoming a fully, uh, a, a fully submissive, um, prostrate um, agency. Uh, of the machine, how do you think that happens? I think it's a very subtle process of, of, of the type of people that are recruited into an organisation like the BBC, which essentially is the broadcasting arm of the civil service here, here in the UK. And of course, the licence fee charter is up for renewal and, and that, that involves a lot of government negotiations. So I don't think they wanted to upset the government in any way. And also, as we know now here in the UK, as a result of things like the lockdown files and revelations that have subsequently come out, there were briefings uh, with senior, senior editors of newspapers, television stations and radio stations who were all called in and told, this is the message you don't deviate this is what we're going to tell you to put out obviously under the guise of public safety i think a lot of editors got drunk on their own power i think a lot of people's egos kicked in um and and i think that also um People who work for, I mean, I was one of these people, you see, before I had my awakening, I was a good little matrix operator. I was a slave to the system. I believed that we everything we were told in life was true. I, you know, I didn't question 9-11 at the time. I was, I'd only just joined the BBC not long. Um, so the, the people that are in the BBC, they see the world a certain way. Here at TNT, we see the world a certain way. We've had a, some kind of perception shift, which millions of other people around the world have also had. I would wager that the bulk of people still in big mass media mainstream organizations haven't had a perception shift yet. And so they are literally seeing the world differently to how we see the world. So they think we were crazy. And at the time, we think 
thought they were crazy. How can you not see this? And they're like thinking, well, how are you seeing it like this? There's this great bifurcation now, this great split in society. Now I think it, 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 it's slightly different because there's so many other factors coming in. The cashless society is one, and me and Lembert talked about this on the last hour. People can see that coming in relentlessly. People can see the woke agenda coming in relentlessly. The transgender lobby you know, has a louder voice than, than any other lobby at the moment. So people are seeing, hang on, where's our society going? The ultra low emission zones here in the UK, Sadiq Khan's little baby that the World Economic Forum is watching with very close interest and the World Health Organization. They want to make it work and then spread it around the world. People are kicking back against that. They may not kick back against lockdowns at the time, but they're kicking back against things like ULES. So that's, I think, what it was at the time was this great um, swathe of very well-programmed people in the BBC machine. And I'm, I'll hold my hands up. If I hadn't had my spiritual awakening, download, or what you want to call it, that was in 2010, 2011. If I hadn't had that happen to me, I would have been one of the journalists telling you to stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, you know, but luckily I was I was awake. Didn't seem so lucky at the time. I felt very isolated, but now I've met more like-minded people in the last few years than I ever have in my life. So that's how it's worked out. And I think I'm not the only one who, who would say that. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's... Uh... Gemma Cooper, formerly of the BBC, she had a Damascus uh, Road experience like Paul of Tarsus, uh, like St. Augustine, uh, like Boethius uh, in prison awaiting execution. Uh, many of you listening uh, share, you come from extraordinarily diverse uh, backgrounds, uh, but share this sense of awakeness uh, that... Uh, Gemma Cooper is referring to, and amongst the vanguard, uh, the leaders of the revolt of reason, uh, Lembit uh, Opik and Ozzy Kozak, who will pick up uh, the hosting duty on return from the news. You're on the Lembit Opik show. We'll be right back. What a news day this is turning out to be. Wait, 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 wait till you hear this. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Beijing has cautioned Canberra against making reckless accusations against China after Australia accused a Chinese warship of injuring one of its Navy divers off the coast of Japan. Celebrations are continuing in Argentina, where libertarian economist Javier Millet was elected president on Sunday. And France claims to have conducted its first successful test firing of a long-range ballistic missile designed to be launched from nuclear submarines. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings. Big thank you to Ross Cameron. That's a really interesting feature. It was somewhat <clears throat> impromptu, but I think it was definitely worth doing. Thank you to Gemma uh, Cooper as well. It's a tremendously informative story that she tells. And I think it's a salutary lesson about what happens when our media goes uh, establishment. And uh, that's what seems to have happened to Gemma. Uh, of course, BBC's losses, TNT's gain. And uh, many of us have found a, a spiritual home, to use Gemma's phrase, uh, here at TNT, where we can actually tell the truth as we see it, and we can express opinions as we see them, and then encourage you to do the rest. Lots of chat, lots of commentary. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, first, let's go to Simeon Boykov, fellow presenter on TNT. Simeon, you heard what Gemma said. That accords very much with what you said to me in the first hour of the show today about uh, 
what we call political nudging, that the whole system seems to be telling us to do something that may not be good for us, Simeon. Well, the good news is they're running out of steam and the people have the initiative, the people have the momentum. And when I mean the people, I mean everybody out there listening to this radio station, because if you're on TNT Radio Live, you're probably awake. And if you're just being introduced to it, well, you're in the process of waking up. I think at the moment now, it's fair to say that there's more of us than there are uh, government stooges and sheep. It's just a question of which direction uh, this goes. And I think uh, the pastures are green uh, for more anti-government action all around the world. Uh, if we look at the dynamic with the latest uh, protest actions around the world, we, ha we have to all clearly admit that it's the uh, pro-Palestinian rallies which are getting the largest numbers, the hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands uh, in the UK where you are and Australia where we are. Uh, but the question is, where were all those people during the lockdowns, right? That type of demographic, mostly, all right, fair enough, you've got your Middle East and Palestine sort of uh, ethnic uh, connections. But then you've got the lefties, the greenies, the socialist alliance. Now, they were absent, they were missing in action during the lockdowns. And you look at them now protesting, they're doing a good job. You know, I, I welcome any pressure on the government, right? Any government in particular, except, of course, the Russian government, who I'm very fond of. I have to get that out there. Disclaimer. Uh, but <laughs> so, Lemba, are you as a, a former um, British uh, parliamentarian, um, I mean, you understand the sentiment, right? We just have this distrust to Western governments. Uh, they don't deserve our support. You know, if they make a mistake, we'll call them out on it. We'll trip them up and we'll drive the screwdriver into their, you know, the wound as much as possible anywhere we can. Because we have that uh, the thirst for retribution, don't we? Uh, yes. Just quick, um, I'm looking at the chat. Just a quick one. Uh, uh, somebody asking Wes Lambert while I'm here. <laughs> we were trying something. We were trying something very experimental here at uh, at uh, TNT Radio. And uh, let's let's just admit it. You had a you had a, a phone call from the Home Secretary's office uh, from uh, Downing Street. <laughs> Is it Downing Street where the Prime Minister hangs out? The, the Prime Minister does hang out in Downing Street and he asked, he begs me to form a rainbow coalition to try and save this country. But I said I was busy on TNT radio. I'll call them later. But you'll have to be part of it, Simeon. That that will be the peacemaking uh, coalition that we need for the world. If we can get someone from China as well, that would be even better. Uh, in well, terms of the question. I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, pleased that uh, Indians are in control of the British government. It's fantastic. Uh, I have to say that you mentioned two things. Uh, the, the specific answer to your question uh, is that I, I've noticed that there is a degrad degradation of trust in the establishment. And the, uh, as Gemma was mentioning, the inquiry into COVID here has been an absolute catastrophe for public relations for the government. Anybody who watches it sees the cat calling, the not wasn't my fault governor attitude but also the total level of guesswork that went on now the other thing that you mentioned was the BRICS countries and this has been raised uh, and also um patrick uh hannington mentions it as well people don't realize in the west that the BRICS countries have more people than the g7 <laughs> and they actually have a very serious prospect of totally overturning the world order, Simeon. And I think that, in a sense, you're probably on the side, well, you're associated with a BRICS country. And it seems to me the answer, the big macro answer here is that there's a change in power. The, the, the center of gravity of authority is quite quickly shifting to, to the BRICS. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that. No, I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's a high and large about time that uh, the underdogs, the, the rest of the world step up to the plate, step up to 
the responsibility of becoming the countries, the coalition of countries that concentrate the power. I mean, they've got the energy, right, in terms of oil, gas. They've got the population, six to seven billion around the world, in comparison to only 700 million in the G7. It's only the G7 where the problem is. I'm talking about all the wars. I'm talking about all the corruption, all the globalist initiatives. It comes from the G7. Australia is a very small part of the G7, only 27 million people in Australia. But Australia's role in the G7 is significant. And that's the area in the world where the sentiment for war, if we go and talk about, for example, um, support to the current conflict or the, uh, the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, it's all from the G7. How many times did we see in the news that the whole world stands with Ukraine? Well, it doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. The yeah. majority of the world, 80% of the world, literally 80% of the world does not. China and India, that's already 25% in terms of population. Mm-hmm. South America, they don't stand with Ukraine at all. Now, mm-hmm. Africa, we know there's a huge pro-Russian sentiment in Africa. And the reason for all of this is the anti-American sentiment in the world is very strong. It's not that the Russians are overly popular. It's, the, it's that the Americans are overly unpopular. You know, what have they brought to Africa besides famine, AIDS, war, exploitation? What has the Americans brought to South America? Coup d'etats, wars. What have they brought to uh, Southeast Asia? What have they brought to Vietnam, Philippines, all these other countries? You know, they, they brought war everywhere. And um, mm. in, that, in that regard, I mean, the comments of the... U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin uh, just moments ago uh, admitting that there is no magic weapon, magic wand weapon that can prevent the defeat of the Ukrainian armed forces. So the Americans are coming to the realization that they've lost. And what's sad is that their little experiment in Ukraine went terribly wrong and there was nothing Mm -hmm. that they gained at all, at all, absolutely. Uh, They simply just put the Ukrainian people through hell. They wiped out a good large portion of the Ukrainian population. The pre-war population of Ukraine was 42 million people. Now today, after uh, the failed American NATO intervention into Ukraine, 19 million Ukrainians remain. 19 million. 19 million, is that all? From 42 million. Now, I'll have to clarify for our listeners, do a fact check here. That's not all uh, casualties. So from 42 million to 19 million, you've got roughly 23 million, I believe. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, 23 million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Now, 6 million of those Ukrainian citizens actually crossed the border into Russia in the first days of the war. They actually fled to Russia. And, of course, Russia being the bad guy, why would so many Ukrainians go there? That accounts for about 6 million. Then another few million... uh, are included in the population of the new territories, which Russia has acquired and Ukraine has subsequently lost. Mm-hmm. The rest of those people, the millions, uh, dead, uh, captured, uh, all fled overseas to, to Europe, or mm-hmm. women being put, I'm sorry to say, but let's admit this, women being sent to work in you know, very dubious uh, circumstances in Europe, uh, more or less, you know, it's, it's fair to say, and you know this, that the Ukrainians are sort of like the... Uh, you know, labor, uh, cheap labor supply uh, for, for in that regard also, for very dubious uh, uh, old professions that have been there from the beginning of time, which is a sad thing, of course. And that's and- sad that the women are exploited. It's sad that the men are exploited and sent to the front lines to be killed. 
and it's sad that Ukrainian children are exploited, as we've discovered in recent weeks of all these scandals involving Zelensky's wife herself in exploiting children under the guise of evacuation and then on selling them to wealthy uh, pedophiles in Western Europe. It's disgusting. Uh, hold that thought. Um, we're going to go to a break in just a minute. I just want to uh, read, read a couple of uh, messages here. Um, Nuck says, it's very sad to consider, but unless they accept truth, they will remain part of the machine subjugating us um, in response to the, the COVID uh, um, pandemic, as many people <laughs> call it. And another one is, oh, thanks for the compliment, the Merciless Ming. Uh, thank you. That's a nice compliment. Uh, long one from Seb Dangerfield about the dangers of holding matches in your hand when you light them. And Madrid says, any parent who takes their child for this bioweapon jab is part of the 30% that are gone and not recoverable. Uh, an awful lot of uh, concerns about uh, about the, uh, the globalization of um of our thinking. Uh, do keep your calls and comments coming. We've got another 15 minutes. Uh, Simeon's staying with us as well. And we're going to try and wrap together what's turned out to be quite a momentous day in terms of talking about COVID, but also in terms of talking about world order. We're going to cover both of those as well. Uh, I'm Lambert Topic. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Limbit Opic. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Just past quarter to nine in the United Kingdom, uh, wherever you are, uh, from London to Sydney, you're welcome to the home of free speech. And good evening, if you are in Sydney. Uh, thanks for joining us. And you're listening to myself and my fellow T TNT presenter, Simeon Boykoff. Uh, we've had quite a remarkable and unexpected twist to the, to the day. Uh, we started on COVID and we've really got deep into COVID, but also into the, what you might call the new world order. Uh, before I go back to uh, Simeon, let me just share some uh, some comments here. Um, Madrid says, in probably a concerned way, the parents, some parents are on their fourth or fifth jabs 
uh, when it comes to COVID. That's a pretty bad situation in his view. Uh, Holly says about the uh, Ukraine situation, well, they've gained a monster amount of money laundering and created a huge space for their evil globalist ways. Ukraine has been sold off. It's become a no man's land, exactly what they wanted. Thanks for that, Holly. Uh, Ivan says, absolute blinding show, Lembit, listening in, but not in chat today, but had to jump in and let you know. Keep it up, brother. Thank you, Ivan. Well, we were trying, we're trying things. We're exploring, we're experimenting. We haven't been squashed by the establishment. So sometimes it surprises even us how the show develops. Um, just one more from Seb Dangerfield. You're wrong, Holly. They will be helped, but you and me directly or by you and me directly or otherwise, it could be the most sinister divide and rule ploy of all. Kill an enemy soldier and he's gone from the battlefield. Wound an enemy soldier and it's estimated around nine are gone from the battlefield. Support and help that soldier. And Holly says, how much of the Ukraine does Soros and BlackRock own now? Interesting, albeit rhetorical point there. Uh, Madrid says COVID. Uh, so COVID and... Uh, uh, the the new world order occupying us. Just Simeon, just returning to the new world order point. Um, I nearly moved to Guangzhou, which is a very big city in China, uh, in 1997. As it happened, I became a member of parliament in Britain instead. But I was very impressed with what China was doing, and I met Chinese officials, and they said what their plan was, and they're carrying it out. It seems to me that China is the unstoppable superpower of the very near future. Well, uh, China is a very, very strong country. I mean, if you've been there as you have, you would have noticed the way Chinese people and Chinese society operates. It's almost as though even the civilians are on some kind of military footing. Mm. It's just so organized. It's so uh, it's so imposing and, and confronting the, the, how the, the country runs itself. Meanwhile, in the West, the people are just becoming uh, morally bankrupt, degradation social degradation is rife uh, there's no such concept anymore of patriotism in china it's on the rise right people are proud of their country people are working for the good of the country and it's a very very uh powerful country in in the world a, a powerful player uh which australia uh is now having to deal with you know in a way where this, the australia's ended up with egg on their face i mean just a few Days ago, uh, we would have heard you would have heard about the dangerous and unsafe, unprofessional uh, accusations from the Australian government at China, and this is referring to uh, the HMAS Tawumba operating in the waters east of northern China. Now, the Chinese have actually accused the Australian government of lying. This is a big thing. We've just had uh, Xi Jinping. In the United States, trying to mend the relationship with Biden, even though Biden ruined everything by calling him a dictator. But yeah. China has directly accused of Australia, the Australian government, of lying over the incident involving uh, the Australian frigate HMS Toowoomba, which was operating in waters near the East China Sea. Now, the Chinese Navy's destroyer Ningbo took measures to track and monitor this Australian ship. The Australians claimed that they had divers in the water. Uh, they gave the excuse that they were untangling a fishing net which was uh, attached to the propeller of HMAS Toowoomba. I mean, if you buy that story, I highly doubt that, right? Uh, and the Chinese, in my opinion, look, I'm an Australian, but what's an Australian frigate doing with divers in the water in a time 
in history where there's lots of provocations. There's the sabotage of gas pipelines, communication pipelines, you know, submerged cables and so forth. And the Chinese have gone over to investigate. They've sent in their own uh, destroyer Ningbo. And the Australian government maintains that China used a sonar weapon right, to, to mm-hmm. injure these Australian sailors, these Australian divers. Now, China refutes the Australian government's false claims that HMAS Toowoomba was operating in Japan's exclusive economic zone. So the Australian government saying, no, 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 nothing to do with China. We were in Japan's economic zone and we had the right to be there. We had permission from the Japanese government. However, the Chinese Minister of Defense responded that China and Japan have no demarcation of their respective maritime territories. And there is no argument to be made that Chinese um, military activities are carried out in Japan's exclusive economic zone or included in that zone. Uh, I think this is a significant development because uh, meanwhile, the West, the Americans are trying to sort of uh, warm up to China, evidently to counter the fact that Russia and China have demonstrated and said outwardly uh, that they are more than allies. That's how close their relationship is. Uh, the West had a little bit of a feeble attempt, a, a futile attempt even, should I say, uh, at trying to mend the relationship. China is definitely uh, in the front seat, in the driver's seat, and the West is on the back foot. They've lost the initiative. China really is in a key position here. They're the only ones that can um, influence the Russian government in any way. Vladimir Putin probably doesn't take orders from anyone, but he does, I would imagine, respect the opinions, views, and advice that the Chinese Premier could give. So, uh, uh, the... sorry to ahead. interrupt you. I, I'm just for two things. As the the chat's very, very interesting today. Division is, Holly says, division is the game plan. Uh, it creates more weakness. Uh, Madrid says, with the help of the West, every country has sold out. And Mazzi says, uh, following on from an earlier comment, uh, in fact, from Seb Dangerfield, uh, the system cares not at all, populated by self-interested sociopathic snivel servants. Uh, and I think there's quite a lot of sympathy for what you're saying. What I wanted to say was this. I go to Turkey quite a lot, and I've obviously been to China. Those two countries perform a political miracle because they, they stay friends with warring parties. Uh, both Erdogan, who's in charge of Turkey, one of the world's most successful politicians, whether you like him or not, he's incredibly successful. He's friends with Russia and with america and china has just met sleepy joe biden at the same time as maintaining relationships with russia it seems to me simeon that these people are absolutely past well current masters of diplomacy in a way that the west has completely forgotten how to do yeah well one other example of that uh, diplomacy which you're referring to is of course uh the indian government who managed Mm -hmm. to stay on good terms with uh, all sides in the conflict and keep a good relationship with Russia without uh, jeopardizing uh, their trade deals. In fact, India actually profited massively, uh, India and China, uh, having then increased their oil imports from Russia. Uh, And simply that was a matter of rerouting uh, Russian oil, which used to go direct to countries like Australia, by the way. Uh, India became the middleman. So India now makes lots and lots of money from that. Uh, all the uh, rhetoric in the West about sanctions and not buying Russian oil, not buying Russian gas, it's all just for show. They still buy it. They just pay an extra price for it. They go through third parties like India. Uh, look, it has been a difficult uh, situation for uh, China, countries like China, uh, India. I think China and India performed better than Turkey did. You mentioned Turkey. I mean, the, 
the Turks have been at this game for you know thousands of years or hundreds of years should yeah. I say before Turkey the Ottoman Empire and they've always been through their geographic um location where they're located being on the edge of Europe and Asia controlling the uh, Bosphorus Straits and the Dardanelles linking the Mediterranean to the Black Sea they've sort of uh, been predispositioned geographically to trying to be on both sides and the Turks aren't so close to the Arabs but they're not so close to the Europeans and it's interesting now observing Erdogan how he's talking tough on Israel but still he's not actually taking any action yeah I mean he yeah. is uh talking tough calling Israel you know all these names and saying that'll be the end of Israel and so forth but honestly if you look at really the military potential just of Turkey itself as a NATO member right they could use their voice in NATO uh to start causing trouble for the Americans within NATO within the bloc within the alliance easily by turning around to Russia I mean they could easily leverage <laughs> use one use one conflict uh to help the other conflict out but he's not doing that Erdogan it's all about talk yeah Erdogan uh is a great uh exponent I believe of a phrase I learned years ago it's called the Mavericks motto let chaos reign then reign in chaos and China seems to be doing it as well the concept of the of the United States declaring war on China is so preposterous not least because they do half a trillion dollars worth of business every year it's Chinese hands that are building in America and I wonder to an extent why people don't notice this let me try and bring together what's turned out to be quite a momentous um program today because I think to me we've covered two things in considerable depth the COVID uh pandemic which is now beginning to look like a complete scam and the second thing is the change in the new world order if you were to make two predictions one about COVID and one about um uh the the, the world order what would you say on the first one the public will do if they're told to lock down again oh man I say if there's going to be another lockdown bring it on unleash the public uh against the governments and the, the governments surely around the world the globalist governments they're not that crazy they've got already so much bad um public opinion against them ratings are down everywhere there's not one Western government where the ratings of the leadership or the, lead, the ruling parties is high there is not one you look what's happening all around the world Australia even the left has turned on Albanese and the Labour government Look what's happening in France riots everywhere even before all of this started UK huge protests everywhere people are not happy with their government the United States you know everywhere you look there's there are problems so if they were crazy if they had a uh, death wish if they wanted to shoot themselves in the foot and score an own goal <laughs> they would lock us down and then guess what the opposition would flourish and I'm not talking about the fake opposition you know the uh, members across the floor uh, I'm talking about the real opposition the people out and about on the streets who are waiting for this moment and guess what I'm one of them we will exploit the government's mistake if they dare to lock us down the gloves I are off oh we'll go I all in mate it, it'll be full on I think you've answered both questions in one actually because tied to that will be the rise of the new world order I think Simeon it's always a pleasure to speak with you thanks for taking all the time today to join us it really has been worthwhile and your comments are always gold dust and you can listen to Simeon Boykov the Aussie Cossack here on uh TNT radio also uh Holly says when do you see made in UK these days apart from a posh load of wildly expensive craft beer and sourdough in a cashless shop bath Holly 
<laughs> Great phrase. Good point. Well made. Thank you, everybody. Uh, it's been really busy on the chat today. I hope you enjoyed our experimentation and our extended show. I hope you feel we got into some depth today about COVID, uh, the pandemic, as many people call it. Uh, coming up next, we've got Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel. They'll be taking us through. And remember, we're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Really enjoyed being with you today. I'll be back again tomorrow, 6 a.m. Don't be late. This is Lemotopic. It's Lemotopic Show. It's TNT Radio.